How's everybody doing today? Okay. Thank you for worshiping. That's so good. My favorite thing is to listen uh, when God is moving his people to pray in music and to respond in music and to worship in music, to listen and hear what that sounds like, because it's a small um, inkling of what it's going to be. It's a small inkling of what it's going to be when we get to heaven. And you hear every tribe, every tongue, every nation worshiping God together. That's going to be pretty amazing, don't you think? And I think that every Sunday we should come to practice. This is a rehearsal for heaven. And when I hear it, it just makes me happy. So I just wanted to tell you, thank you for singing your guts out today. I really, really appreciate it. Last week we talked about uh, this. And sometimes we get into the habit of thinking that the service that we put together is actually make us look good. You ever feel like that? Like the things that we do are to make us look good. And the funny thing is, is that none of this has anything to do with us. Did you know that? None of this has to do with this. It has to do with God. It has to do with glorifying and honoring God in heaven. And so the good news is if you can't sing that well, right, or we mess up up here or whatever the case may be, as long as God is put at the forefront, as long as Jesus is lifted up, that's okay with me. And that's good news. It lets us off the hook from having to perform for one another, right? And instead to honor and worship God. This will be a shorter sermon. You're welcome. <laughs> I've been to church a lot this week, and so I wanted to, um, uh, I wanted to also be able to talk after today. So that's, that's why we're going to make it a little more brief. How many times does it take for you to learn a lesson? <laughs> oh, I didn't think that'd get a response. That's awesome. Good, we're on the same boat then. Yeah, it takes me a long time too. There's these things that come up over and over in my life where it, maybe, maybe you recognize this, where you're walking with, or maybe just as you're a kid, if you're a kid in the room, you're like, I hate learning lessons. Lessons are the worst. My parents are always trying to teach me a lesson. Right? You wake up. Oh, I got to make my bed. I've got to learn a lesson. Oh, I got to brush my teeth every single day. I've got to learn a lesson. Pick up that blanket. Make sure you fold your clothes. Make sure... Clean up after, da, 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 right? We learn lessons over and over and over again. And, and then as you grow older and teenagers, you finally made it and you know everything. That's a joke, teenagers, just in case you were wondering. Right? We get into this mode where we, we have a hard time. We, we hit this, this space in our life where it becomes very difficult to learn lessons. And it's because of this. We have a tendency to forget we have a tendency to forget, and we're easy forgetters, right? When you get into your spiritual life, when you walk with God, by the way, kids, teenagers and everybody else in the room, the reason that your parents teach you lessons has nothing to do with them having control over your life. It's supposed to be to teach you how to walk with God. See, because when God tells you to do something or go this way or do that, he expects you to go this way or do that. The very first time, first time obedience. Kids are like, I hate that. It has nothing to do with your parents trying to control you. In fact, good parents teach their kids first-time obedience so that when they interact with the holy God of the universe and he says, I'd like you to obey me and go here and do that, it's so that you don't die. This is it. I'm, this is as straightforward as I can be with you. That's the reason. 
So that when God says, because he expects us, he expects me and he expects you, when he says to go here and do that, that we go, yes, God, and we, we move. Except we forget a lot, don't we? How long does it take to, to learn a lesson? I don't know, maybe for you it's, I don't know, all the lessons we can learn. Pride, let's just start with the hard one. How many times do we have to learn that pride will break up our relationship with God and break up our relationship with others. It messes up marriages. It messes up relationships with siblings. It messes up relationships with friends. It ruins your relationship with teachers and your bosses. Pride, right, is a relationship breaker. And how many times do we have to learn that one? Right? Or greed. Johnny, don't be greedy. I've got everything covered for you. You have enough in me. I promise to provide. Don't worry. How many times do we have to learn the worry lesson? I've only had to learn it once, so I'm ahead of the curve. That's not true at all. Actually, don't ask my staff. They'll tell you the truth. They know I worry. How many times do we have to remember that God's word actually is true and that it does give us the direction we need to go? How many times do we have to be reminded that kindness and mercy are better than asserting your rightness? How many times do we have to remember the lesson that following God is more important than following anybody less? How many times do we have to learn the lessons? And I thought about, what do you do the the Sunday after Christmas Eve? Well, I figured we'd talk about how to move forward, but in order to move forward well, you have to remember. And you have to remember not just the junk in your life, but the things and the lessons that God has given to us in order to help us move forward. That's how you move forward well. If you want to move forward well, you have to remember what God has done. Right? I'm not going to go down the list of 2020 because you'll leave depressed. It doesn't matter what I'll say after. You'll just be mad at me and you won't come to church next week. But to remember again what God has done, how he has been faithful in the midst of fill in the blank in 2020. See, this is where we're going to be. We're going to be in Deuteronomy, uh, mostly chapter 8. But I want to give you a little bit of a history lesson because history, boys and girls, is really, really important for us as people. When you forget history, you repeat history. When you forget history, you repeat history. And as we find, if you forget God, all bets are off. Not just as a person, but as a people. If you forget God, all bets are off. Not just as a person, but as a people. This is what it says in Deuteronomy 6. Now, the exodus has happened. God has brought out of Egypt, out of slavery and oppression, his people in a miraculous way. You guys remember this story, right? The story of the Exodus? Right? I mean, it's just mighty God, just plagues, and he's just like crushing Egypt. And they finally say, he said, let my people go. He says, please, just get out of here. And then they're plundered because God showed them favor, and they took a whole bunch of stuff with them, and they head off into the desert because God had promised them a land flowing with milk and honey. It's what I put in my coffee every day. It's biblical. (laughs) 
That's the lamest pastor joke in the world. I'm sorry, Mike. Mike is like, I can't even play the last song because of that. A land flowing in milk and honey. And in other words, I want to bless you. I want to be with you. I want to take you to a place where you're going to go. Now it's going to be a journey and I need you to obey me. I need you to follow me. And they go and they wander through the desert. And they do a really terrible job at it, to be honest. They do a really terrible job at following and obeying God in the desert. And you would think after God did something as miraculous as leading them out of slavery and oppression that they would remember and be like, God, we are all in with you. Whatever you want to do, we're going to do. Whatever you say, we're going to go. You say jump, we say how high. Right? And they lead because, they, the, I mean, the Red Sea parts. You guys see, understand why this is a big deal. The Red Sea parts, he feeds them with manna. This is like bread from heaven. It's probably like Taste of Texas bread with the cinnamon butter. It's not in there, but I'm assuming it's close. And he feeds them like day after day after day after day. It says he, he gives them water to drink from a rock. This is miraculous stuff. And most of us, when we read the scriptures, if you're like me, I'm prideful and arrogant. And so I read it and I'm like, you guys are dumb. Like, how could you do that? Did you not see the Red Sea part and the man and all the things and he was faithful? Why can't you just do what he says? And then I'm reminded, God's like, okay, Johnny, let's look at your track record. Let's look at your track record. Let's just talk about your mouth for a minute. I'm like, oh, great. Because my words are careless at times, which I will be held accountable for. Right? The scripture says you'll be held accountable for every careless word that you've spoken. Just start there, and then I'm like, okay, God, they're not as lame as I thought they were. Right? Maybe I'm just as bad. And then we get into Deuteronomy chapter 6, and if you, if you see this, in, in chapter 5, they give the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten. Most kids can recite the Ten Commandments because we teach them all the things in the Bible when they're little and they remember. Right? And then we get to the teenage. If I asked teenagers what the Ten Commandments were, we'd start to fade a little bit. And if I asked adults what the Ten Commandments were, it'd be kind of a, you know, it might be a little hit or miss. See, he knows. That's what I'm talking about. And then he says this wonderful thing in chapter 6. We're going to do some highlights, chapter 6 and 7. We're going to jump into chapter 8. If you look, he says, these are the commands and decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. This is chapter 6. At the beginning. And then it says in verse 3, Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, that it may go well with you. And then these wonderful words. Hear, O Israel, verse 4. The Lord your God, the God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. He says, impress them upon your children. Don't forget to teach your kids all the things that God has done for us. Don't forget to teach them about his faithfulness and provision and mercy and power and goodness and his miracles and all the things that he has shown himself to be over and over and over. Don't forget to tell your kids these things. Verse 12 says, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Do not forget. Chapter, chapter 7, he talks about driving out the nations before them because he says, hey, these people that you're going to overthrow, it's going to be difficult. I can't do it all at the same time because if I get rid of everybody all at the same time, all the animals are going to eat you. 
That's, the, it's, that's essentially what it says. In chapter 7, verse 7, he says, The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other peoples, for you were fewest of all the peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers. Know therefore, verse 9 of chapter 7, that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. See, you don't forget God because God doesn't forget you. The third time it comes up, chapter 7, verse 18, but do not be afraid of them, talking about the people you're going to, to possess the land of. He says, remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh. See, because he knows, God knows as he's leading his people that he is going, they're going to be scared and they're going to be frustrated and it's going to be weird and it's going to be hard. And they'll have a tendency to be um, not brave and not courageous and full of fear. And so he says, don't forget, he says, remember well what the Lord did to Pharaoh. You just remember these things, the plagues, he brought locusts and he brought blood in the Nile and he brought sand. There's crazy things that happen in those plagues that God sent, showing God's power. And the reason he said he didn't want to forget, he said, because it's going to take God's power to move forward to where I'm taking you. But in order to move forward and be successful there, I'm not talking about money things or those things, but just to have a life filled with God, you're going to have to remember what he has already done. Does that make sense? In order to move forward well, we have to remember what God has already done. That's the third time. And now we get down to chapter 8 of Deuteronomy. He says, Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Verse 2. Remember. You can underline or circle that if you're into that in your Bible. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. For 40 years, he led you in the desert to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Whew. That's rough. Remember the pride we talked about? The pride that we carry. I can do it on my own. I can provide for myself. I don't need anybody's help. God, I don't need you. I can handle it. God said, no, remember how he led you to humble you and to test you. He wanted to know what was in their hearts. See, sometimes the way forward is not easy. In fact, it's almost never easy. I don't know if God has an easy button. And we live in a culture where we want the easy button. We want to we hit that button and we want to shoot forward to the very end of the game and we want to step over that line into glory without having to experience or deal with any of the heartache that comes with living in a sinful, broken world. Having to submit ourselves daily to a holy God. Having to trust Him to provide. But in order to do that the way He wants, we have to remember. And the way of remembering is a way of humility it's a way of testing in order to find out what we're really made of. Goes on to say in, in verse 3 of chapter 8, He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. 
which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out. Listen, your clothes did not wear out. Your feet did not swell during these 40 years. The pregnant women must have loved that one. I mean, I've never been pregnant and I'm obviously not a woman, but I hear the feet swelling is terrible. Their feet didn't swell. Their shoes didn't wear out. They had everything that they needed. It says this in verse five, then know in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God disciplines you. The fifth time he brings up remembering, he says in verse 10, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. So he's saying when you get there, right? He's, he's offering the promise that this is gonna be a promise. This is gonna happen. But when you make it there, make sure that you don't forget And he says in verse 14, it says, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out, basically thinking that you were the one that got you where you did. And he says in verse 17, you may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. You know anybody who's done that? You know the me monster? You guys know who the me monster is? This is the guy at the party when you're talking about that trip you took to, uh, you know, I don't know, the Bahamas. This is the guy that walks up and he starts telling you about me, me and mine. And he talks about, I'm a world traveler. Me, me, me. And he's doing, this is the person who, who touts how strong and powerful and great they are at providing themselves this wonderful life. I'm sure the people you, you know are like that. Nobody in here does that. But, and he says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. And then lastly, the eighth time he brings up remembering is this. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed and not, uh, for not obeying the Lord your God. He says, look, you have a choice. You'll have the ability to choose whether you remember the Lord or not. But if you choose to forget the Lord and walk the path alone, you will surely be destroyed. He says, so remember what he has done. Remember the provision. Remember the faithfulness. Remember when you were at your last, your last breath, the very end of your rope. And he came through. See, he led them and made them hungry, it says. You remember that? He says, and I made them hungry and then I fed them to show them that their pride and their ability wouldn't get them through the journey. How many times did they have to learn the lessons? How many times do we have to learn the lessons? See, if we're going to move forward, uh, Blair gave us this wonderful time of prayer this morning as she led, and she talked about how we think that when the calendar year flips over, all of a sudden everything's going to change. Now, I'm going to be glad when the calendar flips over. But if we walk into the next year without remembering what God has done this last year, we are going to do the same things and have the same struggles and deal with the same problems we did this year and maybe more. Today is a day of remembering. Remembering his faithfulness, his provision, his kindness, the forgiveness that we have in Jesus, 
The cross. If there's nothing else that you can remember, remember the cross. If there's nothing else that you can look back on and say God was faithful, look to the cross. Because at the cross is where all of God's faithfulness and his kindness and his mercy and grace and freedom is wrapped up for us. Not only see at the cross, there's this looking back. We remember that we have earned death. We have earned death by our sin. At the cross is where we can be forgiven and we can look forward to eternity, hope and forgiveness and purpose, right? And that's right in the middle is this cross where we see the past, we remember what he has done so that as we move forward, we can do it in a way that honors him and ends in blessing, not material blessing, though that may come or may not come, but spiritual blessing, the presence of God, a deep peace and knowing that he is enough. So my hope is this, that as we take time to remember that it would launch us in a different direction, one that is less selfish, one that is less self-serving, one that is about other people, one that is kind and merciful, one of unity and peace, because we haven't done a great job this year, have we? As a people. I can't judge you as a person, but we can see as a people that we've been wandering in the desert and that we have forgotten the God that we serve. And it shows in how we treat one another, in how we treat those who sit in the, the seat next to you on a Sunday, in, those, in the way that we treat those people who hate us or who you may hate. It shows in the way that we don't show mercy and how we choose sides. It shows in the way that we speak, both in person and, oh, my greatest lament, behind that stupid screen. Let's remember where it got us so that when we look forward, we see a clear path behind Jesus Christ, a clear path with his spirit and by the power of God leading us home. And maybe this year we'll see the church grow, not because Christians are figuring out where to gather, but because people are coming from death to life. Maybe today's the year that you'll lead someone to Christ, that the church would grow because a lost soul found the way. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you would Draw us to you that we would not forget. Father, forget us for forgetting. We are so short. Um, our memories are so short. And it causes us to hurt one another and wander and ignore you. And We need to remember. Would you give us a deep understanding of who you are and what you've done? We're going to end our service the way we always do. You can always give online. You can give in the box in the back. Um, I hope that you consider uh, that your tithe and act of worship, um, God will do amazing things beyond what we will ever do. Uh, that's a part of worship for us. But we're going to end with prayer today. And so I'm going to ask those who are uh, on the prayer team who would come and be a part of uh, just being present and available to those. If you need prayer or you would like to pray for someone, 
you just maybe just need somebody to lay a hand and, and ask God to whatever. This is that time for you. We're going to sing a song, um, but we really want you to have a moment where you can interact with God and, and respond to what you have heard. Um, and we'll do our best to accommodate that for you. Uh, let's stand together.